three, two, one. John, are we live? We are live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you today? I'm good. I'm anxiously awaiting this Skype thing to finally work. I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I don't want to jinx anything yet. So for those of you viewing, we're going to give Skype another shot. Um, welcome to episode six, 17, right? 17. 17. We got Phil Simonota. He's the founder of the Simonota Group uh, of Charles Rettenberg Realty and the creator of a really, really cool uh, soon-to-be-launched academy. It's called the Top Agent Academy. It's um, going to help real estate agents in an apprenticeship program. Down in Florida, I think it's an uh, awesome idea. I think realtors need something like this. So I'm excited to talk to him. He was just on his boat in Miami, and he rushed to his office so that he could get a good signal. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping the Skype works. Otherwise, John, you wasted his boat day. I'm blaming <laughs> it on you. You screwed it up for him today. So I tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to put Mr. Seminetta on the screen, and I'm going to let you two talk it out a little bit. Phil, you got me? I got you guys here. Can you, you guys hear me? We can hear you. Holy smokes, we can hear What's you. Tonight? Thanks for having me, guys. Phil, thanks for being on. Um, Phil, tell us a little bit about what you do down in Miami other than uh, uh, use your boat and your yacht to hang out in the uh, beautiful Miami waters. Um, tell us what you do and tell us a little bit about uh, Top Agent Academy because I'm really excited to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a little background. Um, you know, based on, I'm based out of Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Um, down here, I have uh, three areas in real estate that I actually focus on and develop and, and, and build. Uh, my, my business. Um, one is like a traditional real estate group. Um, group is it's the Simonetta Group of Charles Rutherford Realty. I have uh, five agents that I'm working with, and we do our traditional real estate through this group. Um, basically, that's buying, selling. Uh, anybody can check that out. They can go to buy10x.com or sold10x.com. Um, the next portion of my business is the wholesale division. Um, I have a company I created called South Florida Cash Home Lives. And what I do with that company is I buy, flip, wholesale, um, rent out, um, contracts, you know, off-flip contracts and different things as well, um, strictly wholesale side of the business. And I run my consulting business through that too um, because we help people uh, expand into the United States. That would be like visa projects, um, you know, uh, L1, L2, EB5 visas. So I run that all through one corporation. And then a third one I just created is Top Agents Academy. Top Agent Academy is an apprenticeship I put together. Um, it's a one-year program, group of real estate business for realtors down to 18 steps. Um, and it's like a true apprenticeship. I mean, you basically are practicing. It's not fluff. It's not um, these coaching programs. It's actually get your hands dirty, get in there, put deals together. I teach them how to cold call by doing it. I teach them how to do uh, transactions. I, I walk them through the deal with me. They're right next to me. I bring them along the whole way to close the deal. And after they close two or three deals, they're usually good to go on their own. Um, but I give them the option. They can work with me. They can go on their own. So I took that program and I expanded it now into like a national level where I can teach it nationally and also teach it here in Florida to other brokers from different companies or people who want to work with me. Or just people who are getting into the business that want to start off and get a solid foundation and know how to make things happen. That's awesome. You do a lot of stuff. Holy smokes. Um, all based around real estate, which it's is a awesome. Lot, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot, but it's consolidated. It's like, it's like a restaurant with a big menu. All the items are made up of the same ingredients. So what I do is all made up of the same ingredients. So it sounds like a lot, 
but it's really just a matter of switching the ingredients around and placing them in the right in the right order. And, and all of it kind of surrounding the realm of real estate. Before I get a top agent academy, you, you touched on one thing. I used to, when I was a law clerk, I used to work at an immigration firm, so I'm pretty familiar with EB-5 visas. Do you guys, and I've heard that Miami has a lot of foreign investors, do you guys get a lot of EB-5 business down there in Florida because? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I'm going to give you a perfect example of a deal I just did. Um, I had a couple from Italy. They own a pastry shop in Italy. Um, and they wanted to come to the United States. And they were thinking, you know, half a million, million dollar investment. But what we ended up doing was we were able to expand their pastry shop from Italy to here because they were in business for over, over two years. Um, they had all the numbers, everything was in place. So what we did was we did an L1 visa. I purchased two food trucks for them. Like we, I partner with them to make the deal happen. Um, so we purchased two food trucks, got the businesses operating for about $150,000 they were able to obtain their L1 visa and expand the pastry shop to two pastry and coffee trucks here in the United States. Very so they were able to save tons of money, obtain their visa, and uh, just you know improve their life. And now they still have the business in Italy as well, but you have to with the L1, L2 visas. But um, you know, in that case, there's attorneys involved, and I just I get in there and I put the I mean, I, my business. I have nightclubs, restaurants that I've dealt with. I've opened a lot of cigar lounges. Still have a nightclub outside Philadelphia with my brothers. Um, so I, I grew up in that industry. So I kind of, I just bring all that experience into what I do now. Well, a, what a cool concept, and that that's a creative move there with the um, with the business from Italy. So you've always been yeah. an entrepreneur, is my guess. I mean, it sounds like you had an entrepreneur sure. background before you got into real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always the first. Uh, I had a job but uh, the first job I had, I was actually a financial planner for a lending institution. I had a Series 763 life and annuities license. Wow. And uh, that was a good job. But uh, six months in, another lender bought them and laid us all off. And at that point right there, I was like 22, maybe, 22 years old. At that point right there, I, I swore to myself I'd never worked for anybody. And I never did. And I, I read on, you know, we, we spoke a little bit before um, you came on that your first flip was at 23. My first flip was at 19, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. At 19. Was, my first flip was when I was 19 years old. Holy that's smokes, that's young. Yeah. And was that what got you hooked? Yeah. In construction, I bought it and then just flipped it after the values jumped. W- was that the uh, kind of first taste that got you hooked on uh, real estate? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I was going to get into investing. I mean, I, I grew up in a nightclub and restaurant business, which I owned one of those for a while, too. Um, had a little sandwich shop outside Philly, which we won all kind of awards. That was called Simonetta's Italian Cafe. I mean, it's all based around like, the brand I built with my name. Um, but, yeah, I mean, real estate, I mean, where else do you build wealth? Anybody who's truly wealthy is involved somehow in real estate, owning it, selling it, flipping it. You know, they're doing something with real estate because, you know, at the end of the day, Real estate is average every 10 years, doubling in value. I mean, it's an average, you know, seven to 12 years. So say 10 years. Um, also, you know, you can collect 10, 12% rents. You can double your money every 10 years. Triple your money every 10 years. Yeah, so I mean. It's the only area you can, where, where else can you do that? I mean, I mean, you get lucky in the stock market where, you know, you can get lucky on different things, but if the stock market crashes or there's a recession, I mean, what's going to hold value? The value of the real estate will go down, but it's something really you're going to hold on to. Right. It's going to 
up. I mean, look, I mean, condos are going for 400 grand right now. I mean, they were down to 175 grand during the crash, but they're right back to 400 grand now. So yeah. it's just a matter of, there's not much else you can do that. With, you know? No, I agree. I mean, it's, I, I always tell people, you know, I was a foreclosure defense attorney, still am, but did a lot of foreclosure defense work. You only really lost in real estate if you sold in the down market. If you held, every market that goes down must come back up, whereas a company could go completely out of business and your stock value goes to absolutely zero and that's not coming back anymore. Um, absolutely. Yeah, well, you want to do is a buy too. You want to buy in a down market. Right, right. Yeah, if you have the funds. Yeah, yeah. I Selfishly, if it pulled back a little bit now, I'm in a much better place to buy. I obviously don't want it to pull back. My entire life is... Um, uh, surrounds real estate as well. But um, yeah, if you had the funds when the market softened, you obviously knew it's going to go back up. So you were going to buy again. So tell us about Top Agent Academy because I love this concept. I in yeah. Chicago, we do a lot of coaching and training at our, our real estate company. And it's our, it's our charm, I think, as a real estate brokerage because yeah. our course here, and I believe your course is probably very much the same. It's an eight-week course. You get licensed. Yeah. People know how big an acre is and uh, how not to discriminate, and then that's it. They get their license, and they're like, now what the hell do I do? So there's not a lot of instruction and apprenticeship after. So I think there's a huge void in the market for that. So I love that you're doing that. Yeah, I'll give you a perfect reason I created it. When I started in the industry, I needed it, and I couldn't find it. So I basically created a program that I needed when I got into it. So, so basically what happened was, you know, um, jumping into this industry, I'm well, no, 86% of people in it are failing. And it's not because they're lazy or stupid or, or don't want to do it. It's because there's no map to work. There's no step-by-step. -step. All these theories, gurus out there telling you, come to our thing, pay us 500 bucks, we'll teach you the business. You have all these big brokers that are, had the, big brokers have programs, but the problem is people are teaching what they can't do. So what you run into is you have the blind leading the blind. And the people who do get it, who are true entrepreneurs, can manage five businesses. Because, you know, the real estate business isn't just selling houses like you see on TV. I mean, you have a marketing part of it. You have a, a contract legal part of it. You have um, a customer service part of it. You have a sales part of it. I mean, it's really, you have to be a chameleon and adapt to what you're doing at the moment. So not everybody has that talent, you know. And what happens is the people who do succeed. But nine out of ten don't. And that's, and that's what's happening. So what I decided to do is to create a program. And the program consists of 18 steps. And each step is measured by meets and bounds. And what I mean by that is it's not like you just go through step one and then you go to step two. You're in step one, but you stay in step one until you qualify to go to step two as an apprenticeship. You know, just like um, you have a plumbing apprenticeship or an electrician apprenticeship, you go in and you go through the, the categories and you move up as you're able to accomplish tasks. So you don't want to just get to step two. You want to master step one before you even look at step two. So some people do it in two weeks. Some people it takes them two months. It just depends on their ability to master what has to be accomplished before they go to the next step. And, and I'm talking about real prospecting, picking up a phone, cold calling, making appointments. I'm not, everybody's talking run Facebook ads, cold calling's dead, this thing's that. See, none of that exists. Cold calling is not there. I build a business on business The problem is there's so much noise in the industry. You have every guru, you have people teaching people that don't know what they're doing um, because they know how to run Facebook ads. And we teach them, you know, and, and they're, they're giving people money to teach them the same routine over and over. 
the real estate industry is the only business that doesn't train step-by-step -step properly. And I'll give you an example. We could take like just the most basic job at Whole Foods. You have a cashier at Whole Foods. That cashier goes to work her first day or his first day. And while they're at work that first day, they basically work with another cashier. And they mirror them. They watch the other cashier. They watch how they put the codes in the register. They watch how they run the thing. They watch how they bag the items. And then the second day, they watch them, and, and then they start doing things. Then the cashier actually watches the new person who is running the register, making sure they're not making errors, making sure the codes are right, making sure they're bagging things properly. The third or fourth day, that cashier's now on their own. So even as a remedial task as that, there's guidance. There's somebody you're learning from. When I had my lending company, I had a three-month process. And that three-month process was you worked with another officer and you didn't do anything. You basically mirrored them and you got a piece of the deals and you got a small salary. So what I did was I just basically took the program that I had for 90 days that I had in the lending industry and I took, it took me a while to transfer it to the real estate side, which, I'm, which I've done. But now I've taken it from 90 days and I've broken it out to 12 months to give them a true education and true way to make it happen. And that's 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 what it came down to, man. I mean, that's the reason why I built it and that's I love it. I, I think it's there's a void in the market for it and I think you're you're touching on something that's gonna really change kind of the blueprint yeah. of how people, at least around you, are gonna be doing this thing because I see it in our market, in our office as well. Those who are not constantly around more successful agents, constantly watching what they do and constantly learning from somebody who's already been there, um, yep. do not succeed. The beauty of real estate is the path to success is out there. It's not rocket science. We're not reinventing a wheel. We know how to be successful in real estate if you've been there. Um, it's just a matter of learning how to do it and then implementing that stuff. So I love what you're doing. Give us, um, you know, give a quick tip to uh, one or two two tips to a uh, aspiring brand new realtor before we let you go. And I, John, I think we got to have him back on. I'm glad Skype worked, but I think he's got a lot of things that I, I'd love to do a one-on-one uh, -on -one session yeah. with you for a while and uh, kind of delve sure. through this. Cause I, I think what you're getting at is definitely a need in the market. Um, and you do a lot of other stuff. So I'd love to touch on the rest of that stuff as well. Absolutely. And, and the thing is the key is to bring all of your knowledge to your business. I just bring all of my knowledge from the entertainment business to restaurant business. I mean, everything I've done, I just cater now to real estate where I, where I divulge all my time. So one, one of the things, like one of the biggest, one of the most important pieces of advice I can give to anybody who's getting into anything is you have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is if you don't do anything to get out of your comfort zone, you're not going to create anything. You're not going to make any possibilities. You know, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. Every day when I make phone calls, I do not want to pick up the phone. I don't like picking up the phone. I hate picking up the phone. As soon as I pick up the phone, I get a deal. And I'm like, that's not that bad. And I keep going. I make 400 calls a day. I talk to people. I start putting things together. Um, making that call is the hardest thing. Even though I'm successful at it, you still don't physically want to do it. So you have to be uncomfortable being uncomfortable. That's the only way you're successful in anything you do. It's not just real estate. I mean, it's just you know, being comfortable sitting home. Have you ever accomplished anything? No, no it's when you've got to push yourself, get up early, go out, talk to people, and you create things. So, so get comfortable being get comfortable being uncomfortable. I, I love that, Phil. It's uh, I, I agree completely. I, it's, it's a quote I use sometimes. You know, it's and I feel like 
entrepreneurs over time have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Otherwise, they just fail. And a lot of people don't become entrepreneurs because that whole uncomfort of the unknown and having to do things that steps them out of their normal boundaries is something they just won't do. So love that piece of advice. We've gotten a lot of advice. Nobody said that yet the last 17 weeks. So I love it. Um, yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. The reason the top Asian Academy concept, I know it works and I'll tell you why. The last agent I brought in, brand new in the business, his name is Mark Almeida. Um, he's had three appointments. We have three listings and we have three closings. Um, another young lady, Jessica Kennison, came from another brokerage. And uh, for a year and a half, all she did was rentals because she didn't have any um, any way of going about getting listings or, or buying. Um, she's been with me about a month and a half. Um, she has uh, two listings already that we, that we sealed. Um, she has one more that we're getting this week. And I have a woman in Asia who has three condos in Miami who I'm working on right now, literally three deals, one person. The girl has a possibility of six listings in two months um, of over $2 million. Um, um, so I know the system works. It's just a matter of applying it and letting the world see it and then letting it go. It's really, it's really where I'm at. So I tested it out for over two, almost two years now with people. And I wanted to make sure the system was down and worked before I start pushing it out and teaching people. But I, it works. I mean, it's step one, then you get step two, then you get step three. It just, if you do the work, you become comfortable being uncomfortable, and you just make the communication, you make the connections, you position properly, you inspire action in people. As long as you deliver results after that, and then you have to leverage the success behind it. And that's just your cycle. You know, you just have a cycle there. And um, that's it. And that's what I teach. I love it. Um, next time we... Um hear from you we're gonna just come down and hang out on your boat yeah john. that's it we'll leave john in studio i'll come down to miami and hang out on your boat john, i sent you no, guys no. i sent you guys the, the video it's actually it's, it's not a boat it's it's, a, it's called a luxury living vessel okay it's basically yeah. a, mini, a mini mansion in the water i sent you guys a video it's called the luxuria if you guys if anybody wants to see it just look at look on facebook here it's, it's the luxuria okay it's, it's made by global boatworks um the gentleman bob is a friend of mine and he's building all different size ones Small ones, like uh, it's it's pretty crazy what they're doing, um, but they're actually they're actually vessels, so you can move them. They don't have to be docked in as a boat house. It's a vessel that is allowed to move through the intercoastal. So if you don't like your neighbor, you can move. <laughs> pretty cool. We don't have pretty that. Cool. Uh, we don't have the beauty of those things up here in Chicago where it's cold nine out of twelve months. <laughs> but um, well, thank Stop you it. so much for. Uh, coming on john you have his information where we can put some of the information for top agent academy in at least the comment section and then you're tagging him i'm seeing so awesome phil thank you so much thanks for obviously leaving the living vessel and going to your office so we could get this skype to work we're excited because you are the first successful skype that we've had you're a lucky chair yeah absolutely man i'm glad to be here i enjoyed the time we spent if there's anything i could do to bring contribution to you guys let me know and um, I'm sure there's more things we can do in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. All right, guys. Have a great day. Man. You too. Bye-bye, Phil. Thank you. John, look at that. You did good. Woo. That was now, nice. hopefully, we didn't just cancel the whole show when you went <laughs> off there because we got two guys in studio that are patiently waiting. Absolutely. Are we, like, back to normal live now? Well. Back to studio live? I believe so, yeah. Now we're going to goof the transition up and screw up the in-studio you know, stuff. I'm uh, just trying to 
see what we can do here. Hold on one quick second. You can just talk amongst yourselves. Cool. Um, hopefully we are still live. So if we are not live, I know Maggie, our number one fan, is watching. Um, let us know if we're not live or we are live. Um, we got two guests in studio now where Skype worked out. We got Scott Crone and Martin. I don't want to butcher your last name. Teradena. It's actually not that hard to say. It's easier than my last name. From Coda Management, I've been chatting with these guys in studio for a little bit. They're based out of Northbrook right now. They do a lot of cool stuff. Scott, I'm going to let you tell us what Coda Management is, what you guys do, because you guys do a lot of stuff that's uh, real estate involved as well. So I'm going to let you tell us what you do. Great. Well, first, thanks for having us, Mo and John. We appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And I, I just need to lay it out on the table. 43,560 square feet, right? Yes. It, I get that wrong all the time. Okay. So I you guess my it. credentials are on the table that I, uh, I pass real estate 101. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you. Um, what we are, we have uh, two companies. One is Coda Design Build, which is our retail division. And our second one is Coda Management Group. Uh, Coda Design Build, we, spe we specialize in developing and building and designing homes and custom products in the North Shore of the Chicagoland area. And Coda Management Group is we buy exi existing warehouses and we convert them into self-storage facilities. And so we're developing a portfolio of assets that we're holding that's throughout the Midwest right now. Very cool. Uh, that st we'll talk on this about the storage stuff for a second, and then I'll get back into the um, the other side of it. That's I've heard and I've read a couple articles that that's starting to become a popular thing. I think you guys have been doing it before it became a popular thing to do. What got you guys into looking for storage space and turning warehouse space or industrial space into storage space? It actually began right after the crash. I was doing real estate coaching and consulting, and I had clients throughout the country and. One of them was trying to buy distressed self-storage. And as I was looking into the market, it didn't exist. That, you know, in his mind, a distressed self-storage was a mom-and-pop facility that was buying it at a 9-cap and maybe moving it to a 7-cap or an 8-cap. And to me, that's not distressed. That's just you know, improving the performance of the asset. And so the more I looked into it, the more I you know, researched it, I advised him. I said, the, the real way to make money and wealth in this is to develop. You know, most people in real estate, the big players all are on the development side. They're not just moving it from one or two points on a cap rate. And we were looking to do a building uh, for a client and we bought, we went under contract for a 90,000 square foot facility in River Grove. And uh, we were going through the entitlement process and the mayor changed her mind and we weren't able to do it. And I called up my client and said, hey, we have this building that's 90,000 square feet. Would this work for a self-storage facility? He brought his team in. He said, it's a perfect building for it. The only problem is that we don't have anyone to develop it. And so we, we entitled it. We developed it for them. And so for, in real estate lingo, we wholesaled it. We flipped it. We uh, did the design. We did the build. And we, we held a portion of it. And then we sold that when it was all flipped to the, the final REIT operator. Very cool. So like you said, you handheld from A to Z. We did. We did the whole process. Is that what started kind of the, um, the residential side of the handholding A to Z, or was that already there and then you found that you guys were good at doing it on the uh, self-storage side as well? The A to Z really began when I was getting my master's in architecture, and I worked for a developer who was my professor. And um, so my, my master's thesis was actually one of his projects. And so we had, I had the opportunity of working on that for six years. And during that process, I, that's where I learned the A to Z and realized that, you know, you didn't always have to be the developer. You always didn't have to be taking the risk. You could have clients that you can reduce the risk by working for them because you have the end buyer and then therefore, you know, reduce your cost because there's less risk. 
but it's it's revenue it's as opposed to you know smart. speculation yeah very smart and so you know during the downturn that really carried our business because obviously when banks weren't lending um, but we we could build at fantastic pricing and, and acquire land at fantastic pricing through in the downturn so we were able to help a lot of people through that process i love that martin how did you get involved with scott over here yeah so Covered it pretty comprehensively, but um, so I started with Scott about three years ago in 2015. He introduced me to this concept of self-storage, and he had been doing it since 2013, if I remember correctly. He had an existing portfolio that he had either still owns or um, has sold off, and so I, at the time, was um, trying to understand. I was an agent. I was a real estate agent, and. I was trying to figure out how I could add value to help other people make money in the real estate space, not just buy a property sure. or, or sell a property. So um, we joined this group, it was called Fortune Builders, and uh, that's where I met Scott. And we decided to do this educational program together where they had these systems in place. And so that's kind of how we met. And then we'd been working together on a couple flips, a couple developments. Um, we did our first spec home together and then um, about a year and a half ago I, I decided to leave um, my my brokerage if you will and go into this kind of full-fledged so cool. um, kind of just left it behind and, and started and now we have in the last 18 months we've put three projects together um, that have completed one portfolio which is we have platform one and platform two each portfolio has three properties within within itself so very cool were you always interested in the investment side of real estate even when you were a broker yeah yeah i really am i mean i there's an emotional side to real estate yeah with a, a typical retail client you know i uh i heard often you know the wife come in and say you know my couch isn't gonna fit in this living room and yeah you just i get that a lot yeah. still so i'm just gonna leave that there but um that's kind of where i started to realize like I was meeting landlords. I was helping them rent their their apartments that they had in the different buildings. Um, you know, landlords were asking me to sell their buildings and learned how to underwrite these multi-unit deals. And uh, then I was introduced to this concept. And um, you know, trust is kind of the number one thing in in partnerships. I found, yeah. and um, I, I learned that I could trust Scott. And so that was something that you know he he learned. Hopefully, the same about me. And that's kind of where it took off. It's very cool. You know, one of the things I teach the realtors is the average home buyer or seller buys every five to seven years, like the average mom and pop buyer or seller. Totally. In Chicago, it's five years. Across the country, I think it's seven. The average investor does every 18 months. So investor clients are actually a, a big piece of what realtors should target, but most of them are scared shitless of dealing with investors because they just don't understand the space. So um, it's awesome that you made the segue now, obviously, not doing the brokerage side of stuff, but had an interest in it there as well. Yeah, very, yeah. Very cool. I, I figured knowing the the brokerage side of it could kind of add some value into the development space and vice versa. So, of course, of course. And we were chatting a little bit about the. Um, you know, I mean, it was a topic that came up between us: the oversaturated apartment market. Should we touch on that? Play play with that a little bit. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to throw it to you. What are your thoughts on it? Because I think yours and your your thought and my thought, I think, is the same. Well, during similar. the crash, banks were looking to place their money, and every bank just flooded it into the apartment market. Yeah. And so as a result, the major developers were, that's where they were putting all their money. And so the, the product was originally apartments, then the condos, and then there was a glut in apartments, but now 
the condos were being deconverted. You're having new apartments coming online, and we're just seeing an oversaturation. I mean, we're seeing you know lending rates, you know where they used to be you know 70, 80 percent debt to equity. You know now it's almost 50-50. Um, and the lease up rate, the absorption rate for an apartment versus a self storage is three percent, which is exactly the same. But if I'm going to be doing a thousand units or 700 units in apartments, I'm going to be you know looking at you know 100 100 million plus in investment. Yeah. We can do that. You know our investments are you know seven million dollars. Wow! And so we can get a, a thousand rental units or 600 rental units at a cost basis and you know between seven and ten million dollars. And so we find that it's exactly the same model but what we like to say is it's apartments without toilets you know it's we don't have all the renter issues we don't have all the maintenance issues you know it's a lot easier for us to manage brilliant i didn't know that it was that close and the difference in investment was that drastic i figured there was a big gap but i didn't figure it was that big it's substantial right it's dramatically different how about you same thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I talk a lot about the eviction laws and how in every state, you know, trying to get a tenant out of an apartment building, it's pretty painful. Yeah, I do, I do a lot of landlord-tenant ordinance, so yeah, we cringe. Know. So, yeah, and I mean, we not only can get these people out quickly if, if, that, if it comes to that, but also, you know, sell off the contents of the, the unit in order to uh, compensate for the loss of cash flow. So that is relatively fast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, really quick? You can really do that quick? within 30, 60 days. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you guys watch Storage Wars? <laughs> I don't. You don't? <laughs> no, I've seen I know it. it's very fake. I've watched it once or twice. It's, it. uh, it's, you, not, it's not that exciting. Yeah. You guys don't have Storage Wars at your well, We don't your deal places. with that. <laughs> yeah, I figured you don't. Um, yeah, the landlord-tenant ordinance is, is tough in Chicago, and unfortunately let's be frank it's brutal it's brutal yeah. and then most of cook county mirrors it now so you know a lot of the uh, townships are starting to mirror it and we do a lot of landlord tenant stuff and i've represented on both sides the problem is it's all strict liability so even a good landlord who kind of goofs up a little bit's totally screwed and there's ambulance chasing law firms now going out after big property managers and doing class action suits we had one that popped up where the property manager forgot to attach the security deposit form at the end of the lease, and that's a violation. And whoever scanned it into the system in the office just didn't scan that last page. So in the office, when people were just having the tenant sign the leases, the form they had was missing one page. Well, this law firm went and said, well, hey, guess what? You're in violation on all of these, so we're gonna class action lawsuit you for not having one interest page on the end. And it's strict liability. There's not a damn thing they can do. And it's really unfair. I've been down to Springfield uh, the last couple of years with the Chicago Association of Realtors trying to make some effective change and some push to change that landlord-tenant ordinance a bit. And honestly, if they just change the word um, shall be liable to may and leave it in the judge's discretion to not punish a good landlord who just maybe forgot to sign their name on a receipt, then this sort of ambulance pushing bullshit would probably go away. But yes, for you guys then, I guess it's a whole lot easier just kicking people out of storage units. We've, we've liquidated our apartments, so we don't own any apartments anymore. Really? And then on the residential side, you guys are doing the development side from A to Z again, but luxury market up in the North Shore? Predominantly. I mean, yeah. we're, we're even working with a church, so we, we helped this church acquire their first property ever they've been in a congregation for 20 years wow and um you know they were struggling to find it and successfully get a property under contract and close and they came to us and said well, you know what do we need to do how do we do it differently you know and the first thing i said is we'll start making multiple offers you know you can't put your eggs in all in one basket you're right. gonna wait and see which one comes through and 
you have entitlements, you have zoning, you have a bunch of different factors. And so we literally helped them, you know, acquire the property. We helped them entitle the property. We helped them with the financing. We designed it and we're in the process of building it. And wow. they're now occupying the office space and we're working on the, the sanctuary. So that's Pretty one cool. of the projects that we're doing. And then uh, we're also building some homes up in the North Shore. We're in the North Shore. I might have some people for you. We're having a hard but time finding some construction sold. homes. They're, they're all sold. Yeah. So rats. Yeah, we don't. We haven't. We don't have any specs right now. Um, but it, it's in Winneka, and we've done Highland Park and uh, Wilmette, so Glencoe, all throughout the North Shore. Anything north for Glenview? Uh, we haven't done. Uh, we haven't done Glenview in a while. So I, I did yeah. uh, like four homes in Glenview. Okay. So I heard Northbrook's um, City Hall and their inspectors are are tough. I have a couple, I have a lot of I live in Northbrook now. I know you guys are based out of Northbrook, so I have a lot of Glenview and Northbrook clients. Some of Wilmette and Winneka, um, and the builders in Northbrook just always complain about the uh, building department compared to Glenview, at least. I'm not going to say in a public or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah. one's the worst. Which one's the worst? Yeah, <laughs> Northbrook's not up on that list. Yeah, not up on that list. No. Um, did you grow up around the North Shore? I grew up on the North Shore. I grew really? up in Winneka. Okay, how about you? I was actually born in Chicago. Okay, um, my folks moved to Arizona. Okay. I was small and little. So after college, I came back to Chicago and uh, started renting apartments, got my real estate license. Um, ironically enough, funny story, I was um, renting people apartments and then I, was, I had a showroom, a furniture showroom out of a self-storage facility in the South Loop. Um, and people would come in, they'd file in, they'd pull one down and I'd sell them a, a couch, deliver it to them on top of renting them the apartment. and. That's uh, that when when Scott told me about the self storage business, I think it just kind of clicked right away because yeah. I understood the value of it running a small shop. You know, it was by myself and uh, it was ironic, came full circle. So you were always an entrepreneur because that is that's thinking way ahead. Yeah. I mean, people were asking me, you know, a lot of people in Chicago are transient, so they yeah. want to you know, buy a piece of cheap furniture just for like a year and then be able to move on their way and sure. be able to, um, so that's kind of where I understood, you know, to reduce the overhead of renting a big warehouse space or whatever, I could just, you know, leverage a storage unit. And that's the way it worked out for me. Where'd you go to college? I went to, uh, I graduated from university of San Diego. I started okay. at Arizona state. Okay. Yeah. It's a fun school. Yeah. And then you, you love the cold, so you came all the way back to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had some good friends after school, um, and I just, uh, it was a one-year plan. Yeah. And uh, been here eight years. Very cool. It worked out well. Very, very cool. Do you guys have any um, projects coming up with new storage units that you guys are developing now? We do. We have, uh, Milwaukee is coming online pretty soon. We're, okay. uh, we bought the historic uh, Coakley building next to the Miller Brewery. In Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, right on, oh, right cool. off of 94. And uh, we're in the process of doing that. And we've gotten approved for uh, state historic tax credits. And we're in the process of getting the federal ones. And so that's a, a great uh, incentive for our investors on that one. Uh, we have one in West Logan Square that's coming online. It's the old Lincoln Log Factory. Okay. And then we're under contract for one in Toledo. And so uh, right now we have Wisconsin, Illinois, and Toledo. How are you guys picking... Where are you guys are going? Because I've heard the Milwaukee market has gotten hot at least the last couple of years. Was that kind of the driving point that you have a lot more people moving to Milwaukee and it's um, there's a need for storage? Is that how you what drove you guys to go to Milwaukee or was it just random opportunities? No, I, we're part of the Martin mentioned we're part of Fortune Builders. So we, we have a network of people throughout the country. There's 20,000 people in Fortune Builders and we've 
we're probably the, the only self-storage guys in that community. So when people come across something that, you know, they feel it might be of self-storage, they, they approach us on it. Very cool. And so, um, you know, we had someone who identified a couple buildings up there and the, the whole basis of our decision is based upon demographics. Like what Martin was saying um, about the emotion of real estate, we've, de we've taken out all the emotion out of it. Right. And so we look at the demographics, we study what the market is, and it really comes down to supply and demand. If there is enough demand in the area and not enough supply, then we, we will focus on that, that market. Um, so within Milwaukee, there, the first building was oversaturated, so it didn't work. And the second location, it was very underserved, and so it, it was very attractive to us. The one in Toledo, there's only two other facilities in downtown Toledo, so you know it's sort of a captive market. So once again, it's uh, driven solely by the demographics. Interesting. And I actually like that. I mean, I agree with Martin. I mean, I still sell some real estate. There's a lot of emotion that goes into it. And I think just any real estate investment, it's it's a numbers game. It's a business decision more so than anything. It's, totally. you know, you're not worried, yeah, this is a house I've lived in for 30 years and I'm not going to negotiate the last $5,000, you know, to come down and meet them. So the numbers make sense. It, it works for guys like you guys and your investors and the end buyers. Um, any ideas of expansion outside of those areas? Any areas that make sense that you guys are looking at outside of Milwaukee and Toledo? Or are you guys, and I'll throw it to Martin, or do you guys really wait until the opportunity kind of uncovers itself? Sure, yeah. I, right now the focus is uh, just to expand our self-storage portfolio. Um, our goal right now is to, we have four currently that we're holding. Well, we're acquiring the next one and the fourth uh, next month. Um, but our, our goal is to do 10 in, in five years. So. Um, we're, we're on par with that currently, and um, we'll, we'll continue to do the design and build firm. Um, but the, if you look at the, the saturation of the self-storage on a map of the U.S., it's, it's on the coast through the south and through the uh, east and west coast. So um, we think, not to give anything away here, but yeah. um, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on the Midwest yeah, and um, cool. you know, trying to, to source opportunities in that area. So Cool. And I read on your um, the sheet for those listening, all of our guests, they fill out kind of like a little bit of a uh, bio that you are reading Extreme Ownership. Yeah. By yeah. Jocko. So, uh, yeah. Shout out to uh, Jocko Willink. He's a ex-U.S. Navy SEAL. And um, I, I've taken a liking to this guy. He's, he's intense. He wakes yeah. up 430 in the morning every day. Talks a lot about uh, discipline and consistency and discipline equal, equals uh, freedom. And uh, this, this year I've been kind of, the, the book talks a lot about um, individual responsibility yeah. and how, you know, the outcome of your success or your, your own life is not dictated by, you know, Scott or, you know, anybody else that, that's trying to help me along the way. I, I need to be the one. And that's kind of been the theme of 2018 for me is I, I'm coming up on my birthday here this month and just doing some reflecting and, um, you know, the, the past few months I've just been, it's yeah. Soaking it all up and trying to make awesome. sure that I'm, you know, owning everything. Which so. birthday? Uh, 32, 32. Yeah. I'm turning 34 in a, uh, three, four weeks. I sang happy birthday to him last week. I'm not saying happy birthday to you because I didn't Please realize don't. you were going to do that to me. He took my little happy birthday clip and then he hashtagged American Idol and everything else, and then you put it out there. I did, I did. That was I a sneaky was, move. I can't edit videos, otherwise I'll get you back one of these days. 
So no happy birthday to you. But I do love the book, and, and I love that concept. I, it's kind of my theme this year, too. I, did you read it, or did you listen to it on Audible? I'm reading it currently. Okay. Um, so, you know, I know we joked about it earlier, but Scott and I's interview today doesn't dictate your success on the <laughs> yeah. podcast. So it's it. our it's own just ownership. A disclaimer right there for you. So I, I have the hard copy and I read it, but then I listened to it on Audible at the beginning of this year. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I drive 30,000 miles a year and I'm stuck in my damn car all day. So I listen to them. And some audiobooks I hate because it's a narrator just reading the book and they suck. Their book is really good on Audible because it's the two of them reading it and they have like, he's got that deep voice and he's, you know, sounds like a Navy SEAL and yeah. he tells the stories. Yeah. Especially so on have, his podcast. Yeah. He's, yeah, and he reads it in that, in his voice um, and he, when he talks about his um, uh, tours and the things they did, it's very realistic. So if you ever want to re-read it on Listen Audible, it's just as good. Yeah, it's, it's really, I'll really good. I do that on my way to Northbrook every day. <laughs> yeah, do you drive from the city of yeah, Northbrook? Yeah, from downtown You do the reverse Chicago. for me. Yeah. Where do yeah. you live? I'm at uh, Michigan and Walton and Gold okay. Coast. So. I was going from Streeterville to Northbrook a lot. Um, our real estate office is in Lincoln Park, but I'm in the loop a lot. Now I drive from Northbrook inward. You just got to, you have to time it right. If you're trying to be there at nine, you're scared. You, you go there at nine? I go now. I try to get in there by 730. Oh, you are like, like Jocko like now. You're up at four. Yeah, uh, I'm getting there. I'm I used to wake up at eleven. Six yeah. <laughs> used to get up like seven thirty, and yeah, I'm I'm getting there. I'm, I'm hoping my goal by 2019 is to get up at four thirty. That's morning. the one I thing jo- I, I didn't can, listen to Jocko at all. I was like, f that four yeah. o'clock <laughs> shit. I go to sleep at two. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. I'm getting there. Yeah. Your commute's not as bad, Stop. obviously. Yours is nice and short. Twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. By design. By design. Smart. Yeah, I know that if I have to be in at nine o'clock in the loop, and sometimes I have uh, meetings at the Chicago Social Realtors or in the city, or if we have court, I have to leave at seven. But if I have to be down here at ten, I can leave at nine fifteen, and I'm okay. It literally makes an hour and fifteen minute difference if that's the case. But and seven thirty, I you're found the that same out thing. Myself. But going back, I found it doesn't freaking matter anymore. I mean, after three o'clock, it sucks going back. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's almost like the reverse is worse. And I went to UIC, you know, in 2002, it could have been snowing. And no matter what I could get from, and I lived in Northbrook at the time too, I get to the city in an hour. Now it could be sunny in middle of the day. It still takes an hour. It's like traffic's gotten worse. People are saying sh- people are moving out of Chicago, but traffic's not getting any better. Yeah. Um, any books you love? Uh, the one that I've really taken to is um, The Road Back to You. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept that fourth century monks developed. And uh, it, what it does is it breaks people down into nine different personality types. And so the more healthy you are, the less you exhibit these things. And the less healthy you are, the, the, the greater these personality traits become magnified. Interesting. And so... Each person is one trait, but then you can lean or have a shoulder on one of the two side ones. And when you're healthy, you draw from one. And when you're negative, you pull from another one. And, and so it, it not only has helped me and my, my family, my, my wife and my kids, but it's also helped in our office and understanding our clients. And so it's really, you know, really beneficial, not just uh, from a personal point of view, but from a business point of view, because we can understand and relate to and, and more importantly, communicate with our clients in terms of how they understand things and how they perceive things and with their view of things. Interesting. Um, fitness, is it both mental, physical fitness, health? 
Uh, no, it, I mean, talk, it, talk it, I would say it's more mental or spiritual health. Yeah. So um, on the on the on the physical health, the book that I just enjoyed uh, and actually got to participate with was um, "Living with a Seal" by Jesse Itzler. Okay. And so uh, through Fortune Builders, we did a, an entrepreneurial uh, camp for sixty days, and so we trained with Jesse. It, I don't know if you do you know the story. No. So uh, Jesse, um, he is a rapper in days when he was younger. Uh, was Jesse James. I don't know if you've heard okay, of him. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. And so when he was doing that, he began Marquis Jets and sold that. Okay. And to Warren Buffett. And then he also helped sell Zico coconut water to Coke. Okay. And so after he sold Marquis Jet, he decided that he was going to run an ultra marathon. And uh, he, he had this team and he had the masseuse and the nutritionist and the, his team was going to run 100 miles as part of this training. And he said there was this huge guy just sitting in this fold-up like lawn chair uh, with you know a, a gallon of water two sleeves of saltine crackers and a banana and this guy was just like the most enormous guy that he's ever seen and he didn't look like you know a runner and um, he said the guy ran the first 70 miles by himself and he sat down and he was you know urinating blood and his feet were broken he took duct tape and he taped his feet up and he and he ran the next 30 miles and then he did one extra mile just in case someone didn't count right. And so Jesse's like, I got to figure out who this guy is. This is the craziest you know, person I've ever met. And he found out he was a Navy SEAL. So he flew across the country to meet this guy, and he asked him to come and train him for 30 days. And so Jesse wrote this book about how, you know, how this Navy SEAL, and he always refers to him as SEAL, SEAL trained him for 30 days. And so Jesse took that idea and on this entrepreneurial camp, he would bring in different entrepreneurials to talk to us about their businesses. And then also, you know, we would have these exercises for 60 days. And then it, we ended it at this camp in, in California where we did a, a, a tougher mutter, a mutter yeah. tougher for uh, four hours. And so we were, you know, wow. through the mountains of, you know, Southern California doing this exercise for four hours. What's that book called? Living that's with a Seal. Living with a Seal. And he just wrote uh, Living, up Living with Monks. Okay. That's going to go up on my list. Okay. It's crazy. I have a friend of mine, Tammy. She's sometimes watching. She does 100-mile uh, ultra marathons, mm-hmm. And I've seen the Facebook Live of her when she gets to like mile 80 and 90. And you, you're like, this is just mental grit at this point because it looks like her body's going to collapse. And yeah. then going – I mean – if I went out there right now and I'm in decent shape and try to run 10 miles, I'd be dying. I can't imagine doing that after running 90 and then that the mental block. But that's crazy. That's a lot of what he talks about. And that's what the SEAL talks about is, you know, just we've had the conversation because in our company, education and growth is a huge component of our being entrepreneurs. You know, and and my mentor is a a wonderful man named Dr. Nito Kubain, who's um, owns Lazy Boy and Great Harvest Bread. And he's the president of High Point University. Okay. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be mentored by him for five years. And, and so much in business is about overcoming mental barriers. Yeah. Um, you know, even in simple tasks like, you know, for you, like driving in or, or you know, the, the previous caller was saying picking up the phone and making a phone call. Once you get past that, it, it, life becomes so much easier. But it's those little mental barriers that you have to overcome every day. And it's just training your mind to do these things. I love it. I was going to ask you next for a piece of advice. And that's a good piece of advice. Do you have anything else you want to give them? Um, I, I would say that you have to have confidence in yourself. You have to have confidence in what you believe in what you're doing, but not arrogance. There's a difference between of course. confidence and arrogance. Arrogance is non-teachable, but you know, confidence, you know, 
Martin always likes to say, well, let's fail fast. And if we're going to fail, let's do it quickly and learn and, and move on from it. And a big part of that is being open to education, being open to growth and constantly growing, which is, you know, I, I've been doing this for 25 years, but, you know, five years ago I joined Fortune Builders because I wanted to improve. I wanted to improve our systems within our company. And, um, you know, everybody in our company is now affiliated with Fortune Builders. I love that. You know, and I agree 100%. I feel like if you're not learning and you're not constantly educating yourself, you're not improving. My dad always told me this, you know, and he's a physician and got his MBA. And as a kid, I used to watch him read stuff. And I'm like, why is he reading? He's not in school. I'm in school. And he said, you know, as you evolve as a business person, you will read more than you ever did before because you need to learn more. Um, and I love that. And I love the fail fast. One of the things I always say is fail forward. Don't feel bad about failure because if you are working on being successful, you're going to fail. And if you're not failing, you're not working hard enough at being successful. So I love the fail fast because I'm now going to say fail fast and fail forward. Um, you obviously believe that because it's something you say all the time. Have you felt like that's something you, you've taken with you as an entrepreneur and, and learned from? Because I feel like when I was a kid, and I've said this on the show before, when I used to fail, it used to drive me nuts. I mean, I used to play basketball. I look like I'm a midget now, but I was this height in eighth grade, and I stopped my basketball career in eighth grade. But when I used to lose as a third grader, it ruined my entire week, you know, and I, I couldn't handle failure. Now as an adult, nobody loves failing, but you use it as a kind of a springboard and a, and a learning experience. You found that to be valuable? Yeah, you know, I, I think... Um having mentors to be there and that support system, whether it's your family or your partners or um, just to be there for you when you're, when you're failing, cause it's inevitable, right? right. I mean, it's just, it's part of it. Um, but growing up, I mean, you just kind of got to grow up at some point, right? right. And just again, accept that responsibility um, and, and, and know that, you know, like he said, have confidence. I like what the first gentleman said about um, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. It's true. You know, you just have to embrace it. It's it's just part of the part of it, you know, putting in your time and being consistent with it and, you know, having the confidence that it's all going to work out in the end. The other thing that I think that a lot of people um, have a problem doing is being able to just be alone. Right. You hear all these voices from all these different directions and these naysayers and, you know, people don't know anything about self storage and they're giving their input about right. it. Right. And just like, just keep focus. Everything's going to be all right. So, and, and, and it's, you know, I always, I always, I'm an impatient person. I've had to learn patience. Um, and it, it sometimes takes twice as long that you anticipated. And it's just, again, it's, it's inevitable. I feel like most business people are inherently a little impatient, but learn to be consistent because they realize it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, it's like what most people end up realizing is you, I think Martin, it may have been your quote in order to create real value in real estate. It takes time. And I love this. We're in the crock pot business, not the microwave business. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to use that. I'm going to, yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. It's not going to happen right away. If, and and some people look, they get lucky, right? Right. I'm that's I'm not well I, I mean I obviously want to be sometimes it's better to be lucky than good but um yeah I, I think that it just takes time to create real immense value you know it's not going to happen overnight yeah and I feel like that's the biggest struggle for realtors I mean we get a lot of people that are realtors that listen they think they need to be a top producing person overnight and I tell them you're business people you know no no one in business unless they got 
incredibly lucky, and that's a small minority. None of that happens overnight. It, mm. it takes a while. So I love that we're in the crock pot business, not the microwave business. I like that. You're welcome. I like. I, I use a smoker at home. I have a green egg. I mean, you're in a condo, I'm guessing, so you can't have it. You're in a house, I'm guessing, so you can have one. You should get one. We have a deep fryer. You do? Um, so Real turkey, healthy, yeah. Turkey in the deep fryer? Yeah, it's a lot faster. Yeah, much, much quicker. Do you do Thanksgiving turkey in the deep fryer? Every year. So you're everybody's favorite person during Thanksgiving. I just did last year's Thanksgiving in the green egg, and I'm like, I'm hooked on it. But I moved out to the suburbs, and I don't have anything to do most days, so I've taken up the hobby of learning how to smoke food. Nice. Any hobbies for you guys? We're running, John, that was kind of fast. We're getting close to the end here. So um, what do you guys do in your free time? Because you guys obviously are both very, very busy and balance a lot of different projects and stuff. Anything to keep the stress level as low as possible? Well, I have three kids and their sports activities keep us busy. But when I'm not, you know, Ubering them around, then I, then I enjoy uh, sailing and paddle boarding. And during the winter, we have hockey as well. So I enjoy all those. So we got to get, because you like the water, we got to hook him up with Phil so he can go down there and uh, do stuff in Miami. Yeah, my boat, you, you don't want to live on my boat. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Sailboats are tough too. So I, I have a friend of mine who's teaching me to, uh, I guess, drive his, I don't know if that's the right Sail. word. Sail his uh, 40, but it's not a sailboat. It's a uh, 40 foot like sea ray. Okay. And I'm a race car driver, so I feel like, I should be good at stuff, mechanical and driving things around, and it scares the shit out of me because I, it's... There's a delay. There's a delay, like a big delay, and then in harbors, it really scares the shit out of me because, I, A, I don't want to crash its boat or crash it into something else, but sailing to me, every time I watch people sail, it seems like so much work, and it gives me anxiety because there's, I don't know if you have more control or less control, but you control more of what the boat does than me playing around with controls and throttles and stuff. So that gives me anxiety. Is it hard? It, it, it's enjoyable. I, I don't think of it as hard. I think it was fun. I mean, this past weekend it was challenging because we were, you know, the gusts of wind would go from zero to 20 knots, and it literally blew our boat from back to front over. Like it didn't tip us sideways. It tipped us forward. Holy because shit. Because it, it caught the waves going down, and then it just flipped us. And so... Um, but what was scary for me was when we were coming in, there were people be swimming who shouldn't be swimming where they were. And they don't realize, like, a 20-knot gust of wind coming in and hitting me, the boat's going to accelerate from, like, zero to 15 knots in, in quick, very quick. And, that, you know, the reaction time for me to control that is pretty scary. Was this near Wilmette? This was in the Wilmette Beach, yeah. Yeah, I, I see the people sailing all the time because my dad's at 1500 Sheridan, so mm -hmm. I, he's got a lake view. That's so right where we went over. Right when you went over. Yeah. If I had seen that happen, that would have been a crazy story because I'm there a lot on weekends. That's awesome. How about you? Any crazy hobbies? You know, I do like going out on the boat. Um, I like but to, to the playpen? You know, <laughs> no, actually, I like going out on, uh, on the river and getting down, yeah. going down to Chinatown. And uh, I order Chinese food a little in advance with yeah. the people that are on the boat. And we walk, you know, we dock it down there. We grab the food and then we stroll through the river eating Chinese food like fatties and just yeah. uh, get through the lock. And then it's, you know, uh, Wednesday or Saturday night, you got the fireworks going on. So yeah. right after dinner time, that's a lot of fun. Locally, that's typically what I like to get into. Um, Very cool. I love to travel. I like, you know, I've been a lot of places. I've been all over the world. Um, this year hasn't been as much traveling. Um, hopefully that'll change here um, soon. But um, 
yeah, I, I think traveling would probably be right up there. My mom was a, um, a flight attendant for a long time and still traveling in me, and she took me everywhere when I was little. So, John's giving a thumbs up because Maggie, who watches, and she's our number one fan, is watching right now, and she does the same thing. So yeah, yeah. Allows, allows John to travel, too. It sure does. Nice. Um, so there's a, I read an article that the city's putting another $10 million into the Riverwalk, and specifically they're going to target – a lot of improvements along like the Chinatowns, you know, yep. river area and being able to pull up there. Cause I haven't gone that far, but I do like going through the river. Yep. Um, whether it's I people it's that are, better. you know, people that are visiting or, you know, whether you've, I've lived here eight years and still never gets old. No. You know, and I, I embrace it. It's, it's amazing. The architecture tour is the coolest tour. The coolest thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that the river cuts through so many awesome buildings and then all the way down to Chinatown and, past that and you can come back There's so much history from the mob you know the yeah. capone to i mean it's just it's cool the jeweler building where he drives his car and yeah. i can almost yeah i can almost give people the tour because i've been on so many of them yeah um what's very, the corn cob cool. building um uh, the, river, yeah. city? river city, river, river city. city. Yeah. Marina, yeah yeah you know and you see in the movies how cars are just like projected off of it into the river yeah it's just and you know, under Wacker Drive, you got the Batman movies. That yeah. Are great scenes. You're it's forgetting just, the best movie. What's that? Ferris Bueller. Oh, oh okay. Ferris Bueller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. He'll never let that, that movie go. Yeah, the good old Highland Park. Yeah. Um, one of my closest friends was John Hughes's um, nephew. Like, John Hughes was his uncle. So I grew up with my buddy Tripp, who might be watching now. Um, so anything John Hughes, we watched a lot of. And I went to Glenbrook North, so when he pulled up to the got a kiss for daddy, <laughs> yeah. And when he and when he pulled up to get the uh, to get her from school, it was on that little curvy road that's outside of Glenbrook North. And I used to drive that thing way too fast when I was in high school. So I'm but a big a fan too. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've actually driven in a Ferrari, but <laughs> usually I'm not driving in a Ferrari. But I've done it before. Um, they actually ended up starting to police that road a lot because kids would just go flying. High school kids would go flying down that thing way too fast. And there was a couple pretty nasty wrecks. And the football and soccer fields are right there, too. But uh, I like it, too. I'm a big fan of that movie. Transformers was Chicago, too. Absolutely. I was uh, working at a law firm at 111 East Wacker. And when they were shooting it, I think it was like Shia LaBeouf was running up the river walk over and over again. And they shot that scene like a hundred times. So we just kept watching him run up and then go right back down and then run back up again and go back down. And they had shut almost all that entire area down. So we'd have to get through security, get into our building. It was actually a little bit of an inconvenience because it sucked. We had to go through checkpoints, get in the building and then come back down and deal with that. But we spent every single day watching them shoot across the river. But I always say Chicago really is especially in the summer, the greatest city in the world, I think. You know, it's, uh, you got incredible food, you got great buildings, uh, great nightlife. We, the beach is great. You can run alongside the, the uh, lake. The restaurants are great. Um, if it was better weather the other nine months out of the year. It'd be the most popular city in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, three months out of the year. I tell all my friends who've not uh, been to Chicago, come June through like August, October. And it's, yeah, yeah. Ma- yeah, maybe September. I, I love it all the way through November. November, yeah. It gets, gets too cold for me, Novemberish, oh, but it's not so bad. We're still paddleboarding in October. Really? Yeah, we go from May to October. Right out in front of that Wilmette yeah. Beach as well, huh? Right. I probably have seen you paddleboard by. I've probably seen you sail by a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, I'll have to maybe come out and go sailing with you. Hopefully, you won't tip us 
end over end and <laughs> yeah. I won't end my, up in the cold My daughter cold water. didn't appreciate it. Oh, it was 70 degrees. It wasn't even cold. Is that that cold? No, it's 70 degrees right now. I haven't actually, John and I went out last Wednesday on a really nice, uh, it's like a 105 foot boat where um, my real estate office is doing something with Yacht Life, which is an app where you charter mm-hmm. boats in Chicago and actually all across the world now. And they took us out on a really nice 105 foot boat and we didn't touch the water. And every time I've driven the boat, I haven't touched the water. So I presumed it was cold but 70 is not bad no it was very comfortable it's actually warmer then than it is in like june because the water still hasn't even yeah warmed up yet from the winter yeah yeah so i guess yeah i guess we're in august which is crazy getting towards the end of summer but yeah don't even if it's 75 don't end over end me into the water that would be nice <laughs> um thank you guys for coming on we're literally out of time but uh that was a lot of fun we got to have these guys on again too it just feels like this show runs too fast in an hour. You might have to do 90 minutes, John. John's like, no, I'm not doing 90 minutes of editing. Um, oh, we got to do shout outs because we didn't do it at the beginning because we had Skype. I never have any good shout outs though. What are you you're gonna have? He's, he's a one upper on these shout outs. I always have a shout out to somebody for a birthday or something. No, and then ahead, John sh- kills me on the shout outs. No. I got a shout out to my uh, little sister. It's going to be uh, her birthday this weekend. So shout out to my sister, Sheena. It's her birthday. Um, and that's all I got really. What is how old is she going to be? 32, I think. Yeah, because I'm, I'm turning 34, so she's 32. She looks like she's 12 still. My little sister, when it was uh, her 21st birthday, we went to Ron in Japan. She looked like she was Love 14. Ron Japan. Yeah, North Fried Bird. egg sauce. Yeah, so good. And um, she ordered a drink. And they asked for her ID, and the lady looked. She goes, no, this is fake. And we're like, we're like no, it's real, like. My parents were there. They're like, no, no, no. She's our daughter. It's real. She goes, no, it's fake. She's not 21. And the lady's like telling her it's fake. And we're like, no, it's her actual ID. It's real. And it took a lot of back and forth for them to actually give her a drink. And I don't think she looks like she's any older. Now she's a veterinarian. And I'm sure when people walk in, they're like, wait, you're our doctor? But shout out to her. She's 32. Happy birthday. Doesn't look a day over 16 still. <laughs> uh, what about you? Give me a shout nothing, out. Nothing too, no, nothing too crazy. A couple big festivals going on this weekend. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is called Porkapalooza. Okay. So there's a place on Irving Park Road called The Piggery. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's It's good. It's great. And I were there. Yeah. Fantastic. And they're doing. I guess they're have it right here. Their third or fourth year in a row. They've got five bands, a bunch of drink specials, so on and so forth. Weekend long thing out in their and their like back lot. But the proceeds from the cover charge and bump in sales uh, goes towards the Boys and Girls Club in their in their neighborhood. So it's 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 fun and and it's going towards a good cause. So we always like to bump charities here and Boys and Girls Club is very reputable. So I thought you know we'll give them a shout out. And then uh, Retro on Roscoe is this weekend as well. We'll be there on Saturday. Uh, and I had a conversation with the gentleman that that owns a company that runs that. And what they do is all these neighborhood festivals, uh, the money, the donations as you're walking in, they pump that back into the neighborhood for new businesses or cleaning up, uh, you know, if there's empty lots and, and development and so on and so forth. His name is John Barry. Uh, Star Events is the name of the company. He's actually coming on uh, in October because right now, of course, it's a busy season. But I just wanted to give them a shout out because they're doing all these different festivals and have been for a long time. And then they take the money and pump it back into the neighborhoods that they're, you know, 
doing their fresh set. So see how he did that. I gave one birthday shout out, and he had like ten. I'm gonna get you one of these weeks. I'm gonna have a whole it, list of ten it, minutes of cool know, shout outs. No, they I'll, are good shout outs. It, it's just we, it's for charity and charitable, you know, reputable charitable organizations and. You know, the Chicago Association stuff. of Realtors, we're doing another um, day at the Boys and Girls Club. We don't know if it's going to be the Pilsen one or a different one yet in a few weeks. And we did that a few years ago where we went and we hung out with the kids. And awesome. uh, we took them pizza. We kind of talked to them about jobs and stuff, played games. And they played dodgeball with them. And they kicked the crap out of us <laughs> dodgeball and just teased the crap out of me. They made fun of my shoes, all the kids. I was wearing, like, dress shoes. And they're yelling, what are those? And then they were asking me if I was a cop. I saw some of the video of you playing kickball, so I can only imagine you playing dodgeball. Yeah. Uh, I sing a PT now because of my kickball injuries. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was a fifth grader sport, and I blew out my knee and my hamstring because of a kick and two steps, <laughs> getting too old. But, yeah, great shout-outs. And next week, we're not doing Wednesday because I'm going to be in Italy. We're doing That's Monday. Right. So Monday at 3 o'clock, please tune in. Sorry for the change in time, but I'm going to be in Italy, and uh, I might not have any reception, so I can't do Skype. Yeah, so we've got that special. It's going to be Monday at 3, and then we'll just do a rebroadcast on Wednesday. Awesome. Thanks, so. guys, for uh, listening, and thank you guys for coming in. And thank you for Phil. Thank you to Phil for leaving his boat and uh, getting to an office so we could actually have him on Skype. It's so very, it's nice very to have cool. a connection in Miami if we get down there and do yeah. a little cruising around. For sure. Thank on you his for life having vessel. Us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. In three, two, one.